Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Hey, Warehouse Church. It's good to see you in the house today. Hope you had a great week this week. Had a wonderful, wonderful Easter service last week. I want to thank you for everybody who participated, everybody online that was part of our special week. And we started a series last week called This Is Us. And it's not because we want to be like the TV show and make you cry, although that seems to happen sometimes. Uh, but we wanted to give an opportunity for you to hear from some of our folks that are part of our church family about things that God's done in their lives And because we're doing baptism today, right towards the end of the service, I've asked two of our young adults, did you like that? Young adults? Yeah. (laughs) I've asked two of our young adults to kind of share a word of what God's done in their life uh, through Warehouse Church, some of the ministries they're connected with. So church, do me a favor. You know how hard it is to get up in front of people and talk. Would you make Miss Emmeline feel welcome to our stage this morning? So as Pastor said, my name is Emmalyn. My husband and I and our two children are members here at Warehouse Church. And so a little bit about me is I did not grow up in a Christian home at all. Uh, my religious upbringing was actually, I feel like, very interesting. My mom was a practicing Buddhist, and I would attend Buddhist meetings with her. And then my biological father was not in the picture, and so I'd actually went to Catholic church with my grandparents on the weekends, and they would get custody of me then. And then my stepfather was a self-proclaimed atheist. So that is kind of where I grew up in. I had always had a longing to know more about Jesus Mm. as long as I can remember. Growing up in the South, you have friends that go to church, you hear about it, but it just never was something that I felt like was part of my path and was never introduced to me. Besides the occasional church lock-in or helping someone with VBS for a week, just no one ever really brought Jesus to me or told me about him or invited me to learn more. So I just didn't feel like that was part of my journey. But that nudge was always there. And so time went on, I got married, and then we were expecting our first son. And during that time, we found out pretty early on that they thought something was wrong. We did some genetic testing and it came back that he could not make it. And that was the hardest thing I'd ever been told. We were so excited to welcome this beautiful baby and to be told that there was a possibility he could not join us. And that was the first time in my life I prayed because I didn't know what else to do. So I just talked to God and I begged and I pleaded And I didn't know what the answer was, but I felt peace in speaking to him. And through that, we were so fortunate that it came back in. Bradford is a healthy, thriving five-year-old. Sweet boy. And I saw that God could answer prayers. And I knew that in my heart, even if he didn't answer that prayer, that we still weren't alone. And that was a really powerful thing. And so... We just kind of kept living life after he was born. And then when he was about a year and a half old, I just felt this nudge in my heart that I was like, 
I want to raise my child in the church. Amen. I want to give him the thing that I never had. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do that, but I just wanted that. I longed for that community for him. I longed for us to have that community. We didn't want to just be doing life alone. We wanted to have other people to share that with. So we, I did what anyone would do, and I Googled churches near me. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally typed in church near me, non-denominational. I, then we were in the car driving, and I stumbled upon Warehouse Church's website. And I read through it, and I was like, this sounds all right. And my <laughs> husband's like, okay. And I was like, I really want to go. I want to try it out. And we had never gone to a church alone, like let alone just show up somewhere. Remember, we drove to the parking lot the day before, and we're like, okay, do we know where the entrances are? Do we know how to get in? Do we know where the parking is? And so we showed up. And that was almost four years ago this summer. So we never left. That's (laughs) awesome. I don't remember what Ed said that day. I just remember sitting there and feeling like this message is for me. This is what I needed to hear. And it just was a comfort that I'd never felt before being in a church environment. And it was kind of what I'd always needed. So we just kept coming back and coming back. And then about six months after we joined the church, we were invited to our first life group. And it was a family life group. It was husbands, wives, and their young children's. And that was a really special thing for us because that longing for community was answered with that group. And that was the first time in our, like I just felt like we had these people that we were genuinely doing life with. We had mentor couples who were teaching us about faith. We were still so new in it. And it was just incredibly, it was an incredibly special time. And I really cherish those memories. And then COVID came and COVID did what COVID does and it ruined it. And it, that group disbanded. And that was just hard. Whenever you have something that became such a foundation in your life and it's now gone. So I kind of was back at that square zero, like the ground zero, and I was just lost. And I didn't have that community anymore. And I really didn't know what to do. And then unexpectedly, I'd been praying on it. I got a text message inviting me to a women's group. And they said, she's like, I think you like this group. You want to come check it out? And I was like, okay, like... Once again, you're just kind of going in blindly into something. It was someone's house I'd never been to, and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And then the Lord led me to the most wonderful women I've ever met, and they truly changed my life. They've become my greatest mentors and teachers and friends and sisters, and it's just beautiful. And through them, I felt courage to do something that I knew I needed to do. And that was to finally be baptized. Amen. I, it was never that I was afraid to proclaim my faith publicly. It was that I was nervous about the stigma of being baptized as an adult. And it was that I almost had a Christian imposter syndrome. That how can I come up and just act like I know what's going like That declaration of faith, I didn't feel like I was confident enough to say when I didn't have all the answers. I hadn't read all the Bible. I hadn't. And so it was through those women I felt vulnerable enough to tell them my fears and to seek guidance and the encouragement I needed. I also like to think I was waiting for the heated um, baptismal pool (laughs) because before that was a horse trough and that looked really chilly. But (laughs) True. So through them... 
And so last summer I was baptized. I had my life group standing around me. And it was a really special time. And during that same time, we were going through a lot of changes as a family, new jobs, new houses, new everything, moving. And so it was kind of like a rebirth in my faith and a rebirth of our family of getting to start fresh. It's awesome. And so it's just, and we've learned from there, trusting in the Lord leads us to great things. And when we've turned over everything to him and we just trust that he is going to do what's best for us and that we may not have all the answers, but he does, it's been a magical thing in our life. And so... Thank you for listening to my story, and think, have a wonderful day. You're good. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you. Come on now. This is my friend Dakota, and I love Dakota. He's a kid. This guy has such a tender heart, uh, and he, like me, is a work in progress. Is that okay to say that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's going to share part of his story. Welcome, Dakota, to the stage this morning. Would you, church? Good evening. My name is Dakota. Uh, uh, first off, I want to thank you for asking me to share. I don't like doing this, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I have been going here since 2020. Uh, basically, I'm just going to kind of give you a little breakdown of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And pretty much when I first got into this church, I was invited by a friend, a very good friend of mine, and probably like the third time he asked me I ended up coming not with any like intent nothing it was just more like oh this guy's asked me so many times it's Saturday I can't say no I already told him I have no plans tomorrow who was it oh it's Adriano yeah 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 Adriano and uh really just like I said I had I had no idea I had no thought of it I didn't know how spiritually unfit I was until I walked into these rooms and then I realized from that day, the message that I heard and every day following the pull that I kept feeling within myself of just like, like this hunger, this hunger that I had that I didn't know, but I didn't know what it was. I just know that I needed to be here and I wanted to be involved. And really it was just, it started from there. You know, I came for the first day and then I brought my mom afterwards and my mom's gone with me every day since or every Sunday since. Um, unfortunately, she's not here today. She was sick this past week, so, you know, prayers are much needed for that. Uh, and then also my daughter, you know, my, my beautiful baby girl is, uh, <laughs> she is everything to me. Mm -hmm. That's good, man. So, like I said, I didn't realize how spiritually unfit I was, um, but when I started to come here, I just jumped in, man. I just jumped in. It's like it was a hard five to six months that I just did everything I could to be involved, get into the groups, talk to guys. I did youth on Wednesdays. You know, I had my daughter here with me. And if it wasn't for this church, I would not have realized how much I needed to change as a father, but like how much I needed to implement the tools that I learn here, not just in my life, but in her life, and having her around these people who love me, who I love every Sunday as often as I can. 
And that is what the biggest thing that this church has given me is just, it's, it, my daughter knows me as her dad. And like, I'm her best friend. She's my best friend. And that's all that matters. That's all I care about. And she loves coming here. You know, I'm thankful for the youth ministry because of what they have done in her life. Because she literally talks about it. She wants to pray all the time. It's, it's amazing, you know. And I don't, there's a lot that you can feel like you don't deserve. Um, but once you're willing to surrender, let go, and just do it somebody else's way, life just works itself out, and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to emphasize or make situations harder. And I'm just very thankful for, for all of you, you know, for Pastor Ed, for my guys in my, youth, or in my uh, life group who, you know, have given me friendships that are more authentic and more real than any friendship you can have outside of here. Um, so after coming here, you know, having my walk with Christ, I got baptized, uh, March of last year. I got double dipped actually. Yeah. If you guys weren't there, he, he, dunked, me, far he dunked me twice. Yeah. Um, I thought he, I just thought he just wasn't happy or something. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know what to make of it, but it happened. And I think it was I the first, What's that? was I the first one that day you were. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That's good. That's all that matters. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't think too much about, like, what it was to get baptized. I just knew that I was where I was in my walk with Christ. It was probably six months into doing this, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, it wasn't an instant gratification that you get from it. It was just more of, like, I guess, doing what the book talks about, right? Just, just going through it. And now... All I'm continuing to do is just try to show up the best I can. I'm not perfect. I'm in a tough season right now, and that's just normal, but I continue to keep coming here. And, I keep, and the more I keep doing that, the more I realize that I'm where I need to be. So I really appreciate you guys listening to me share. Have a good day. Proud of you. Good job. Hey, give this to the guys at the sound booth, would you? Thank you. I love Dakota, Miss Emmeline. Her husband's in the back there. Appreciate you guys so much. That guy right there is a great mechanic, so... If your car's messed up, you go see, that's an official endorsement, unpaid endorsement, okay? But he's done work on my cars, too. He's just a good guy, great families, representing the families of our church. And I just appreciate their word. And I'm going to share with you a concluding thought about my message before I share the message, which sounds kind of weird. But we're baptizing some folks today. Two are adults and one's a child. And if God's speaking to your heart about this, you can actually still be baptized today we have a little kit. You get t-shirt, shorts, sandals. I think you get paper underwear. You get the whole thing if you want it. But uh, we want to make it available to you. And just while we're talking about this right now, if it's something you think that the Lord would lead you to do, when we finish the message uh, in about 15, 20 minutes, uh, and God's speaking to you about that, I'll give you the opportunity to step out and be part of what some of our other folks are doing. We have some great ladies that will help you out. It's super, super modest, really easy. And God will bless you for obeying him. That's what I want to talk to you about today uh, in my message is, who's actually in charge? Who's actually in charge? Um, last week we talked about the resurrection of Jesus, of course, it was Easter Sunday. But, you know, every, every Sunday is the resurrection. Uh, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus uh, when we come here to worship the Lord. And one of the things we talked about last week was a guy that has a dubious prefix on his name, Doubting Thomas. And Doubting Thomas was not called Doubting Thomas in the Bible, but probably by scholars or people that rewrote the Bible or whatever. 
But Thomas was a guy who when was confronted by the disciples and said, hey, Jesus is alive, they said to him. He said, I'm not going to buy it until I put my fingers in his hands, thrust my hand into his side, until I see I'm not going to believe that this is true. And as some of my friends like to say, I think Dave says this once in a while, show enough. You ever hear the word show enough? Anybody hear that phrase? Somebody say, you got it? All right. So show enough, Jesus shows up, and in John chapter 20, he kind of, he kind of, Dallas passive-aggressively speaks to Thomas, if I could say that, and says, hey, buddy, give me your hands, put them in my fingers, flush your hand into my side. And then he said this, the only reason that you believe is because you see me. Now, blessed are those who will never see me yet still will believe. And I talked about last week how I believe that's a blessing to you and I because we're not going to physically see Jesus until he returns or maybe until uh, the end of our life when we see him face to face, if we know him as personal savior. But I, I was thinking about that story this week. I had something happen to me. I pulled up to a Walgreens this week to drop my wife off uh, to go pick up some stuff. And as I, I dropped her off, she walked around in front of the car. Uh, I looked down at my phone. I had the car in park. I looked down at my phone and I, it felt like somebody, like a rhinoceros or something, ran into the side of my car. And um, I, I looked up, and there was a pallet that was against the wall that blew into our car. I just got this car for Kim two weeks ago. We just traded it in and had a big dent on it. And you know what that's like. You have to fight all that flesh inside of you, you know, being mad. And, and, and then you're, it's just a stinking car. It's not that big of a deal. So I went inside, and I really was calm, and I started talking to one of the people at the store that I was at. And I said, hey... I was outside, and there was one of your packages was outside, and it blew against my car, and, and the guy was kind of like, well, you know, I'm sorry, and this, this, this. I said, you know what, and you've done this too, I know you have, check this out. I said, I, this, I know, but I, I'm, I'm going to kind of need to speak to somebody, because, you know, this is kind of your responsibility, and, and I just want to make sure that I'm doing this the right way, and this, that, well, you know, I said, I said wait a second, can I talk to your manager? Have you ever been to a store or in a situation in a restaurant, and maybe you've been on the bad side of that. Maybe you've been working somewhere, right? And somebody has said to you, I want to talk. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to somebody that's over you, you know? And, and we have to be careful about that, right? Because our testimonies, but all of you are going, you're kind of doing this one thing. I've done that, but I ain't raising my hand, okay? Like, I'm getting that look from a lot of people right now, but I've done it. Like, I've gone in there not satisfied with the answer that I was given, it kind of felt like the person that I was talking to, and maybe they did or didn't, but I needed some authority that was going to get the job done. Is anybody else with me on that? You understand what I'm talking about? So, and I kind of think that's what Thomas did. He went into the other disciples. They were his peers. They, well, he walks in. They're like, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And I think in his mind he was saying, well, if he was alive, he would have showed me he was alive. And I think some of the struggle we have with authority is, and I'm talking about what happened to me the other day too, but what happens to all of us in our lives sometimes, and even in our walk with Christ, we're not satisfied with the authority sometimes because we want to be in charge, right? We want to be the one. You're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and Thomas probably wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be where Peter and the other disciples were. He wanted to be one of the first people that saw Jesus, not hearing about it secondhand, I'm sure his pride kicked in. He said, man, I've been following him for a couple years. I didn't do what stinking Judas did. Why couldn't he come see me? I've been faithful. I've been there. I've been doing my job. I've been, I've been part of this whole gig the last three years. If he was alive, he would show me. And I think Thomas had a little 
struggle inside of his heart, which all of us do sometimes, and the Bible talks about this so many times from Genesis through Revelation, specifically in Romans 13 and 14, about the struggles that all of us have with authority, right? Uh, when we talk about who's in charge of what, who's in charge of this, and, 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 and family structures and business structures, it can be a very, very uh, difficult conversation sometimes. Uh, listen to some verses here that speak about the authority that Jesus has in our life. Right after he was resurrected, he showed himself to his disciples. And just before he ascended up into heaven, it says in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them and he said, all authority, say the word authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. You know what that meant? Jesus was in charge. Nobody else is in charge except who? Say it. Jesus, Right? He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Now, as our authority, this is what he's telling us to do. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm going to be with you always, even until the end of the age. The Bible talked about Jesus' testimony at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. It said this after Jesus spoke there that day. And so it was, when Jesus had finished these sayings or finished that talk that he had that day on the side of the mountain, after they fed the 5,000, he shared the Sermon on the Mount, it said this, that the people were astonished at his teaching, and here's why. Because he taught them as one having authority, and then it kind of gives this little dig, not like other church leaders had. Like Jesus spoke with authority. So today I want to talk to you about, just for a couple minutes, knowing and following our authority. Why do we do this thing called baptism in our church? And you've heard me say this before. Baptism's kind of a funny thing. Because if you can't, you know, there's some funny things that Christians and church people do that if you're new to the church and you come in and see some of this stuff, it's kind of weird, right? Like when we do communion, and you get this little tiny cup of grape juice and this little tiny cracker. And we, we talk about the Lord's death and we celebrate and we, we remember and we, we use that as a unification tool for our church as the Bible commanded us. But someone new to church is going to say, well, I, I, why isn't somebody laying that on my tongue like if the Catholic church the way that they're used to doing it? Or why this? I've been here for 40 minutes. Can a brother get a little more food than that cracker, right? I mean, if you're new to it, it seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Until it's explained and, and you realize what... Well, the meaningfulness of it in your life. It's really special. And then, at the end of the church service, people that are followers of Jesus, we're going to invite them up, and like we did Dakota, if I don't get you down the first time, we're going to dunk you twice. Now, I just did my hair. There ain't no way, no how, that I'm going to get in that water with that big goof and let him hold me underwater, right? Because at first, it could seem kind of weird. So why does Jesus tell us to do these things? And it all goes back to... Not necessarily anything supernatural that happens with baptism, but here's what it goes back to. Following authority. And following authority isn't something that we all like to do. Every single one of us at some level in our life have some authority that we don't like to follow. How many of you will be truthful with me and agree with me this morning? Somebody, right? In government, does anybody not trust somebody in government? Don't raise your hand, we're on videotape. Don't raise your hand. The matrix is here, right? You know? But I mean, it's true. There's, at some level, there's some people that we don't trust that have authority in our lives. But here's the thing about Jesus. Knowing and following authority, to understand that, understand this. Number one, Jesus was given all authority. Not some authority. 
not just in charge of the church world. Now, when we go to church, we understand we're going to sing about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. This is his house. This is his church. The Bible says that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But here's the thing about Jesus. He's not just in charge of the church and people that know and love him. He's in charge of everything. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that he is before all things, and by him all things even exist or consist. John chapter 1 speaks of this authority when he first came to the world. In the beginning was the Word. The Word, who was Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning of John, it talks about how Jesus is God. Why? Because he is the creator and authority in our life. He was in the beginning with his Father. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Listen to what God says about Jesus' authority in Philippians chapter 2. It says, let this lifestyle be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, speaking of Jesus, being in the form of God, didn't consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness or appearance of men. And then the Bible says this, he hum- and, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he came to the world obeyed his father, and died so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins. Three days later, he was alive again, proving that he was God's son, God in the flesh. And here's, and here's what God did because of what Jesus did for you and I. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what God said in Matthew chapter 28 and in Philippians chapter 2. You want to know who's in charge of everything? It's my son Jesus. He's in charge of you. He's in charge of your family. He's in charge of your future. He's in charge of your home. He's in charge of your work. He's in charge of your church. He's in charge of governments that make sense and don't make sense. He is in charge. And we have to understand when we're reading things, in, reading things in the Word of God, frankly, that you and I sometimes maybe even don't like to hear. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody about things that you heard in church? And you're not going to hurt my feelings by this, if you, but don't raise your hand because I don't want anybody thinking you're a knucklehead like me. That you've disagreed with what we talked about? Well, I don't agree with that. That's well, okay. Because I promise you, when, I, when I'm sharing an opinion, you'll know it's an opinion. But when we're talking up here on Sunday morning, we're going to talk about what God wants to do in your life, and that's through the unchanging truth of the Word of God. This is our, he gave us this book to guide our lives, and he did that because he can, because he's our authority. And I'm going to tell you something. When we go through life thinking things aren't fair, we do, right? When we go through life going through hardships, when we see people that, that aren't really trying, live a really what we see, a good life, and then we're really trying, it feels like we're just struggling, 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 struggling. You know, when Emmeline was talking about when they, when they were, that first pregnancy, and it was a difficult time, and they didn't know if Bradford was going to, and man, you should see Bradford. He's one of the sweetest little kids, just a nice, nice boy. But they didn't know what was going to happen. But he, no matter what would have happened, God is good and God's in charge. And we look at things and go, well, that's not fair, so I'm, I'm going to be mad at God. When we do that, what we're saying is, God, I disagree with the decision that you made, and this is what we do, because my thoughts are bigger than yours. I understand things better than you do. 
You don't understand how it is to be human. Jesus understands. He knows you've gone through stuff. He's, everything that you've gone through, he's experienced himself emotionally as a human being and understands. This is what he understands. It might seem unfair, but I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you always and even until the end of the age. Jesus was given all authority. Here's the second thing. Jesus gave you and I our marching orders as Christians. He told us what we're supposed to do after we get saved. He says uh, in that chapter, in those verses that we read, go ye therefore, teach people, baptize them, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, as we read in Matthew chapter 28. Because Jesus is our Savior, he's our Lord, and he's our King, he has the right to tell us to do what we're supposed to do. And parent, you know, if you have kids, you understand chain of command. If you've, been the, if you've been in the military, you understand chain of command even better than kids do for sure. Uh, I remember when I was first in the ministry, my associate pastor that I worked under, under our pastor, we called our pastor back in Philadelphia when we were growing up Mufasa. Because when somebody would say his name, we would go, because he was our boss. And he was strong, and he led us strong. And he was, he, sometimes he was kind of scary uh, because he would tell us to do things. And my buddy, who was not in the military, you've met him before, Pastor Anthony Miles, used to say this all the time when I'd come out of a staff meeting going, did he just say that? He wants us to do what tonight? He wants us to stay here till like 2 o'clock in the morning to do this, to get ready for this tomorrow? Does he, and, and, and Anthony would say this to me all the time, Eddie, ours is not to question why. Ours is just to do or die. And I would look at him and go, we're not killing people tonight on the mountain of some war or something. You know, we're just, we're trying to do our lives here. But here's the thing. He had authority in our lives. Parents, you've done this too. Your kids, you give your kids some heart. You need to make your bed. Why? Oh, right? And then you got, you got to guard your flesh a little bit. You said, because I'm the parent, that's why. And sometimes that's not enough for our kids. And we either have to heal them or put them in a nice guarded, safe timeout, you know, whatever you do to raise your kids. But it's, it's hard. And, and here's the thing about authority, parents. I'm going to throw this as a little pot shot. If you don't respect and follow authority that you have in your lives, your kids won't respect and follow you. They won't. You can't lead people if you're not willing to be led. That was a freebie you don't have to pay for this morning, okay? But this is what Jesus told us to do. He told us to make disciples. Do you know... If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've made a decision in your life to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, come into your life, and you've trusted him with your whole eternity. If that's true about you this morning, say amen. amen. So if that's true about you, God told you specifically that you and I are responsible to make disciples. We're supposed to be sharing our faith with people. It's not a suggestion. Sometimes we think that making disciples means, well, you know, the pastors. <laughs> that's what they get paid to do, right? Or the deacons or the elders or the Sunday school teachers or the youth group leaders. It's their job to tell people about Christ. My job is to be here to support them. And here's the thing about making disciples. It's all of our job. Because you know, there are people in your life that I'll never meet, that if you don't invite them to church, I'll never get an opportunity to. And, here, and here's something else. Inviting people to church is a pretty, pretty easy way to usher evangelism into your life. Because I know sharing your faith is hard. Sitting down with somebody and you're worried about political correctness, you're worried about feelings. Sometimes you might even be worried about messing it up. Man, if I don't share the plan of salvation right, they're going to die and go to hell. Oh, right, we get all this 
you know, all this angst inside of us. But here's the truth. Inviting somebody to church is kind of an easy way out, but you ought to know your faith well enough that if somebody asks you about it, you know what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15? Be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. That's your job. It's my job too. I gotta, I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, but it's your job as well. He told us to make disciples, and here's the other thing he told us to do. Baptize them. That's a two-fold command, which means this. When we accept Christ as Savior, he wants us to get baptized for this reason, to identify with Jesus and his local church. You know what it's very, very similar to? Uh, I told you last week we're going to do a big wedding this week. It's going to be a big to-do. It's going to be a... It's, it's the Zubilee Zoo wedding this coming Saturday night, right? Ben and Angel are getting married. And I could share this because you asked Angel to marry you a year ago, Easter, so we're all part of your lives with this, right? So we're going to their wedding, and I'm wearing a zebra tuxedo, and, you know, everybody, Nick's going to walk in with a sloth. Somebody else is going to have a parrot on their arms. And, and at the end of the wedding service, they're going to share rings. It's going to be a big boo-hoo moment, and, you know, and I'm going to say, by the authority invested in me, by the great state of Texas, I now pronounce you, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say, you may kiss your bride. He's going to kiss his wife. It's going to be a beautiful moment, right? And they're going to get married. Do you know that baptism is really almost the same thing? Because this young man is going to identify, and we don't even know how this is still happening, honestly. We know Angel. We know you, Ben. We're still trying to figure this out. But she is publicly going to identify herself with you on Saturday night. I, she's going to cry. You know what you're going to do when she says, I do, and kisses you and takes a ring? You're going to go, Whoa! I didn't think I was going to get her down here to do this, right? But when we, make the, when we get baptized, here's what we're saying publicly. Now, we could get married privately. We, that's, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But getting married publicly, there's an accountability between you and your family, you and your friends, and you and each other before God and everybody else. When you get baptized, you're telling the church, and this is a pretty friendly group. If you're in church and you get baptized, people aren't going to go, oh, that's stupid. It's a pretty safe place to get baptized, okay? You get baptized, people are going to affirm you, but there's also going to be some accountability, they're going to ask you about coming to church. You're going to get asked to go to a life group. You're going to get asked to be a part of what's happening here at Warehouse Church because you are part of this church family. It's a special day. It doesn't make you more saved or less saved. Here is the absolute truth about baptism. It's obedience. That's all it is. It's, and you know what happens over and over and over and over and over and over again in the Word of God when people obey God? Guess what happens to people that obey God? They get blessed, massively blessed. But it, it, it's, you're not trying to do it for like a, you know, uh, for a little monetary. Well, I'm going to do this so God can hook me up. No, you just want God to bless your life because you're, obey, you're obeying him. But it's a twofold command because not only are we supposed to help people that we lead to Christ. And that was so beautiful about Emmeline. If you were here last year, she was kind of shy about doing it. And I get it. Like, I, I do. I understand that. That's, it could be be in front of people, going under, if you spend all that time doing your hair, you know, getting, and then getting all wet and your makeup's running. Who wants to see that, right? You don't want to, that could be perceived as embarrassing. But here was beautiful about her getting baptized last year. When she got baptized here, all the, all the girls that were here in her life group stood around this pool and they were cheering for her, affirming her, standing with her. She would take, take in a stand for Jesus. And those girls are still a part of her life. And it was a very, very special time for her. But it's a twofold command because we're supposed to be baptized. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, step number one is baptism. And you know what's great? We can have the conversation with you about step number one being baptism before we even talk about giving. We'll do giving on week number two. Give you a little break after baptism, right? 
But here's the truth. God wants you to do that because he wants to bless you. And then once as a baptized believer, day one, you've got to be looking out. I've got to invite people to church. It's not five years of being saved or one some of this or one some of that. You know Jesus. You've got to bring people. And here's the thing about bringing people to church and bringing people to Jesus. Do you know that most people in our church, and this is true about pretty much every church, most of your best evangelistic people are the people that are newer to your church. Now, there's, there's good reasons and bad reasons for that. A good reason is, well, this is my community. I spend time with these folks all the time. It's hard for me to invite people to come to church that I'm doing light with. I, I, I get that. But sometimes we have, we've just built this Christian bubble around us, and we don't let people in anymore. You know, we're afraid to go up to somebody that's smoking or drinking. Oh, my gosh, God forbid. And invite them to come to church. Oh, they wouldn't want to go to church. They drink wine. Let me just tell you something. There's a lot of people that drink wine in this church. Don't say amen. It's okay. <laughs> Pastor, what are you saying? It's none of your business. That's what I'm saying, right? But we just look at all this outward stuff. You know what the outward stuff? It doesn't matter. God doesn't care about that stuff. God cares about this, your heart. And if your heart's in tune with things, he'll guide you to change the way he wants you to change. He'll guide you to do some of the things that he wants you to do. I could tell, I don't know about Emmalyn, because she seems like a pretty, it's like she's a real good mom, she's a school teacher. I know her husband's a challenge, but she's like, she's just like an all-American good girl, right? I mean, you, the worst thing you ever did in your whole life is probably said darn, I probably would imagine, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's my perception, don't change it, okay? But I can tell you this about my buddy Dakota, he's not perfect. Is it okay to say that? We've had talks. We struggle talks. He leans on me a little bit. And that, that to be honest with you, brother, that's, that's, you, don't, you don't understand this yet, but that's healthy for me because it helps me understand my accountability I have for you. I can't let you down. And we always worry about letting God down, letting God down. Listen, God loves you, and he's ready to forgive you just like that. And he's commanding you to do things as the authority in your life. He's not doing it to make your life some miserable, square, do-nothing fun Christian life, he knows what's better for you, and he's trying to guide you that way. Jesus gave us marching orders. Make disciples, baptize people, and teach them to observe all things. And what are those things? The authority of the word of God. Here's number three, and this is the last point. Jesus, not, not only is, was Jesus given all authority, and Jesus gave us our marching order as Christians, our Lord Jesus Christ also promised us. Now with that, right, he has all authority. He told us what we're supposed to be doing. But here's what he says in light of that. I'm going to be with you through this whole process. Now, now here's, here's what's amazing if you think about this. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can remember that moment when you prayed, asked for forgiveness. And that's kind of a daunting prayer. God, will you forgive me of everything? Aren't you glad that he doesn't want like a, you know, a detailed, you know, list of everything you've done wrong? That, that's like a three-day prayer for me, right? Lord, can you forgive me for, and now, now here's the thing. If God speaks to your heart about, hey, you shouldn't have said that to your wife or, man, you should have been nicer to that guy at Walgreens. What, Lord, what? But anyway, you should have been nicer to this guy. You need to take care of that with the Lord. But I, David said this in the book of Psalms, Lord, can you cleanse me from secret faults, even the things that I forgot that I did wrong? Like, cleanse me from all of it. But here's the thing. The moment that you accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, right? And a lot of people say this, man, it was just a special time. 
Dakota was talking about the way, you know, the way that it made him feel, and, and, and Emmeline made some references to that. I mean, I just felt like God was with me when I prayed that first prayer for the very first time. That's a beautiful thing. But here's what Jesus wants you to know. He's not only there when you introduce yourself to him and invite him to come into your life. He's there with you in the valley of the shadow of death. He's there with you when you mess up. He's, and listen, here's the thing about God. He's not going, ah, I'm so ticked at you. That's not God. God's not mad at you today. And you might be living a lifestyle that's not pleasing to him. But he's mad about you. And he proved it by sending his son to pay for everything you and I ever did wrong. And he still loves us. You're not going to get to that point with God. And I get that. I, we talked a few weeks ago about Peter asking Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive them? Seven times? And he, was, he thought he was exaggerating. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Seventy times seven. He was like, oh. And we think about that seven, that's, and that, you know, those of you that have OCD, they're like, so I have to ask God to forgive me for that same sin 490 times? No, here's what it means. You're probably going to struggle with that sin over and over and over and over and over again and need to ask for forgiveness. And here's what God says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to try to help you. And sometimes he lets us, lets us kind of run into the bumpers sometimes. You ever go bowling, bumper bowling, and bumper bowling great. You cover up the, you cover up the gutters. You just chuck your ball, and it goes ding, 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 and you're knocking some balls down, right? Well, that, that, God's like that too. He's not just going to let you, like, your life is now in the gutter. He's going to keep you in. But what he wants you to do is just go through this process in your life called maturity and changing. I know this about MLN, and I know this about Dakota. God loves them both. But I know that these two, as they're surrendered to the Lord, aren't the same people they're going to be 10 years from now if they're still surrendered to the Lord. And that's the same thing with you and I. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you're just, listen, you're just trying. You're not perfect. You're trying to live a life that's surrendered to you. You're trying to read your Bible a little bit every day. You're trying to pray. Now listen, if you miss a day of reading the Bible, God's not going to like throw a lightning storm over your house. He wants you to do that because you need it, okay? And if you miss a day of prayer and you forget to invite somebody to church, listen, God knows your heart, knows every intention. But here's the thing. God wants to know and he's going to try to pull you in to make sure your heart is in tune with him. He wants your heart in tune with him. Deuteronomy 31, or Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, I'm going to be with you always. 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 Even to the end of the age. I'm not going to leave you. Deuteronomy said this in the Old Testament to the children of Israel. Be strong. I love that. Be strong and of good courage. Why can I be strong and of good courage? Don't fear and don't be afraid of your enemy for the Lord your God, he is, he is the one who goes with you. He's never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you. The blessed Christian life depends on our obedience. If there's an area in your life, and listen, this isn't like getting Christian stars getting baptized. This sweet gal over here that's just been coming to our church for a few months, this young man who's getting ready, to go to college, be a world changer, man. This guy's going to turn the world upside down for the Lord. Super smart young man. Sweet little child who's given their life. Talk to another family who, whose son's going to get baptized when grandma comes back in town. Or shall we say Nona comes back in town to be more specific about it, right? Beautiful, beautiful things. But you know why we do these things? We, we, we facilitate because we want to help you be in a place where you're obeying God. But if you want to do that today when we pray, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be dismissed with those that are getting baptized. If you want to get baptized today, we are ready for you to baptize a couple extra people, to baptize a whole bunch of extra people. If you want to be baptized today, you want to surrender that to the Lord today, I would encourage you, take 
this step of obedience. And listen, church, acknowledge the authority that God has in your life. Not just about this, but about your whole life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that even when it's hard to read, when you're telling us to do something that's hard, when we've got to make changes in our life, Lord, because of just mistakes that we make, I, I just pray, Father, that you'll help us to not only read, discern, but to follow your word. And as we talked about baptism today, Lord, I, if someone is feeling that, that they need to do it, but they're not quite ready, that doesn't mean they're sinning. We're not mad at anybody that doesn't get baptized and needs to get baptized. We just want to encourage them to consider it and maybe even do it the next time. But boy, we would sure be blessed to give them that opportunity to do this today if if the Lord would lead them to do that. So Father, I pray for anybody here that first of all doesn't know you as Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. I pray for anybody in this room, Lord, that, that desires to be baptized with these other friends that are getting baptized, that you would give them the boldness to be able to get up in front of the family and friends today and do that. But I pray blessing over those that will do this today um, as they take this step of obedience. And Father, I know baptism is not the only area of obedience that we need to submit to in our life. It's just where we start. But I know there's Christians in this room that have been saved 30, 40, 50, 60. I think I even know a couple of them that have been saved over 70 years. But we still have to be in a place in our life where we are submitted to you and following your authority. And authority's hard because we want to have all the answers. We want to get to the top and we want to be in charge. And we're kind of like Thomas sometimes, unless we see it, unless we hear it from somebody that's a little bit more important than you guys. But your word is truth. Your authority has been plainly spoken today. Help us in our lives to submit to you in every area of our life. So let me ask you a question while your heads are bowed or eyes are closed. How many of you would say, Pastor Ed, nobody's looking around. I have areas in my life where I need to obey God that I'm not obeying God now. And I I don't want to talk about it, but I'd sure like for you to pray for me. Uh, If that's true about you this morning, no matter where you're sitting, would you just lift your hand up in the air? God bless you. Wow, that's a lot of people. I got my hand up too. I got my hand up too. It's a lot of people. So I'll pray for you real quick. Father, you see these hands and you know every heart that's in this room. Show them what you want them to do and help them take steps of obedience today. Second question. Pastor Ed, I want to get baptized I think today's my day. I think I'm going to do this today. If that's true about you, just lift your hand up in the air real quick right where you're sitting. Anybody like that with these others that are going to get baptized today? We love you, Lord Jesus, and thank you. And We thank you for what's going to take place in this room in about two minutes. We pray that you'll be honored and glorified in all that we say or do. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody agrees with me, said? Amen. Amen. Nick's going to share.